talking last week, Pastor Josh talked about relationships, singles, and preparing yourself. And this morning, I want to talk to the married couples. Is that all right? Okay, and so what I want to do is we're in a season of relationships, a two-part series, and people, I, you, you ever hear this statement like, man, I just fell in love. That sounds like I just fell in a ditch, <laughs> you know, and it's one of the fun things about being a pastor sometimes is, is when you do the premarital counseling and people come and they're, they're all excited to get married and they want to honor God and honor each other and, and they just look at you and they go, and the one thing, Pastor Bubba, he's perfect. And then he'll go, you just know, Pastor Bubba, I've looked far and wide, and she is the perfect woman. I, she never argues. She never, uh, praise God. That's awesome. You know, but I've learned this. You know, it's like, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit because I want to, I want to talk to you um, really from uh, chapter 13 in uh, 1 Corinthians. I mean, uh, 1 Corinthians, a lot of people call it the love chapter. And, and a lot of people recite this at weddings like you saw with the wedding there. And, and what I want to talk to you is about what love really is, what a commitment to God is, and, uh, and some of those things. And so right here is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7 and 8. And it just says this. And I, what does it say right here? Okay, so love what? Per, what? Protects. Love, okay, it always what? Okay, always. Okay, always. And so love never fails. I want you to learn, know this. God's love never fails. Amen? And so, you know, one of the things, when you let God work in your life, you, you'll be able to do more than you think you can. And, you know, if you try to do it on your own, how many of you know it, it doesn't, it, it, things fade? And, and so I, I just want to talk to you this morning just about, I want to give you ways to make love that lasts, okay? And I know that for me, my wife and I, Tracy, have been married 34 years. On August 4th, we'll celebrate 34 years of marriage. It's awesome. If you give a hand, it's for her. She's had to put up with me more than I've had to put up with her. I'll just, that's the honest truth. It's hard to live with an angel when the halo shines at night and you get hit with a wing in the kitchen, you know, all those things. I mean, it's hard to live with an angel. But let me just say this, is that uh, it's awesome, uh, you know, and, and because, but l let me just, they say that many times in marriage, about the five to nine year gap in marriage, it becomes the most difficult years in marriage. And people go, why is that? Most of the time, by five to nine years, you start having children. Come on. How many of you say, man, we used to never argue till we had children? How many of you say, it was peace, tranquility? You know, I remember looking at my wife and going, like, I didn't have a good model to be able to, you know, I wasn't like one of those guys that go, you know what, I'm getting up in the middle of the night. I'm going to rock them. I'm going to stay up all night with the baby. I just didn't have that model. That's not an excuse. Are you hearing me? I just didn't have the model. So that's why we have six kids, because God had long patience. He said, you're going to learn. By the, by the time I got to five and six, I was good. I'm not saying I was great, but I was good. Because I remember just, you know, my wife, I remember our first child. We, we lived in Tacoma in this really nice, this, this apartment. And I remember Zach, someone gave us a little crib. And Tracy and I, you know, on weekends, we'd sleep in on Saturdays. And I'd have a schedule. I was on staff at a church. And, and I'll never forget, I mean, it was a funny thing. We'd be in bed. And I remember Tracy had this way when, when Zach was a great, like, sleeper. And when he would wake up, she'd stick her foot out of the bed and rock the crib. I mean, she was talented. 
And he'd go back to sleep. Now, Andrew was born from a different world. <laughs> Our second son, I'm like, we thought, my God, heaven, hell. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Kids are just different. And what happens is when you have, when you start, see, when you first have children, I'm this not a series on children, but when you have a, it's like you have two on one, then you have one on one, then you play zone if you have more than two. And so what happens is marriage brings out the best and it brings out the worst when you have children. Amen? Because before you, were ma- before you made the marriage commitment, you thought, they're just perfect. We'll never argue. And the devil was lying to you. And so here's one. If I, could, if I was just sitting at a table with you this morning, and I said, hey, you know, Pastor Bubba, can you just give me some advice about marriage? I want to give you five things. If we, if just, I'm sitting at a table with you. We're having a conversation. And, you know, as a pastor, uh, we, want you to have, we, want to have, we want you to have great marriages. How many of you know the enemies after marriages? Come on. And you look at our culture today, it's trying to redefine what marriage is, who a man and a woman is, and what all those different things are. You know, and, and so we know where culture is, but we want to look at what the Bible says about things. Is that all right? If we're going to get definition, it's better to go to the designer who designed it so we, we can find out. So the first thing is, the number one, if you want to look at it, write in your notes, is make a covenant commitment. And here, I'm going to go back to covenant towards the end of the message. And so everybody values commitment. You know, what happened at the beginning of the new year, people started making commitments. I'm going to work out. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do all this. But, you know, February... Like, what's that? You know what I'm saying? Say, what? I was giving up chocolate? Lord, that's a devil. (laughs) And see, what happens is you only need a commitment when you don't want to do something. See, I make a commitment every year to kind of do try to exercise and work out. And that's my commitment. That doesn't mean I like it. That means I just made a commitment to it. Are you hearing me? Doesn't mean I like it, but I have a schedule and I try to keep to that schedule. I have a routine, how I read my Bible, how I pray, how I, if I don't make a, a, a routine or a schedule, guess what? I know this. If I don't make a schedule for my day, people will make my schedule for me. So I've learned that. And so another thing is you need commitment when you don't want to do it. You don't need a commitment if you like what you're doing. Come on. How many you don't need a commitment if you just like what you're doing? You see, there are, there are going to be days in your marriage that you're going to know that you need that covenant commitment because you're going to have days that are difficult. You're going to get news. Your children are going to do something. You're going to get a call in the middle of the night about your child, and you're going, I'm going to kill them. You know I mean, all those different things. And see, what happens is you can't have a marriage until you, have the, you get the option of divorce out of the marriage. Are you hearing me? That's what a covenant relationship is. It's until death do us part. That means the only way out, I tell people, the only way out is the grave. I don't believe in doors. Now, murders cost our minds. Come on, don't look at me like I'm crazy. But here's the thing. Is, is, is it, here's a fact. The second thing is you need to celebrate differences. By God's design, men and women are very different on every level. Come on. I don't know. Okay? They're just different. I don't care. Culture says this and that. Listen, you can change a person the way they looked or whatever. They still have DNA. You can't change that. There's something you can't change. And I'm not going to all that other stuff right now. But I just want to talk to you about 
your marriage. And so what happens is, I want to, you know what, I know this, that Tracy and I are polar opposites. Okay, if we, my wife, my wife loves to go out and hike. She likes her bike and hike. I hate bikes. They hurt my butt. My back hurts. I mean, like, come on, baby, get a bike. My bike sits in the corner. It's got the most rust. Anytime I'm on my bike, I got to go find the air pump. I mean, it's like my tires need revival. You know what I mean? And then it's like, I'm like, you should look at me. She's like, hey, baby, you want to go for a bike ride? No, I'm reading a book. I just thought you'd want to go ride my, your bike. I don't want to ride a bike. Or, hey, can we go hiking? I love to hike, but I get distracted. Look at that squirrel. Man, I could hit that squirrel. They, get, they got ducks over there. Man, they got fish over there. I, can, I can't play golf with anybody. If they have ducks and geese on the field, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to wring that sucker's neck. I'm going to do I'm just. It's just who I am. <coughs> and so what happens is we're just opposites. Nathan, give me that water real quick. Thank you. I'm sorry. Please excuse me. I've had pneumonia and the flu this week. They gave, they put me, gave me two IVs. They said, did you, Mr. McCann, when did you, he said, how long have you had this temperature? They took my temperature. How long have you had this temperature? And I go, today. I hadn't checked. You know, anyway, so. So what? I don't need, listen, I don't need to be married to me. Because I can get along with me all I want. I need someone that's different. What do you mean, Pastor Robert? You see, marriage is about you need someone different in your life. That you can learn to compliment one another. Come on. What do you mean, Pastor? Can I tell you something? I know that I've irritated my wife more she's irritated me. I know that for a fact. But can I tell you something? When you come together and you understand that you're opposites and you're different, all you do, you can just learn to begin to compliment one another. And after almost 34 years of marriage, my wife that was very quiet, very sweet, but just very quiet, and people, she stuck up. And she'd get all these false accusations and cry. She was. And she's one of the most friendly people. Hey, how's it going? All that. You know, and it's like, and it's, I'm, I'm almost going back to, and, and I see over the years, you know, her, her commitment to people. I mean, she lo- if she loves someone, she really loves them, gets real deep with them. My wife's way smarter than me. She's out of town. Please don't let her know that. I'm serious. Anyway. But the most important thing is, is that I'm so glad that I married someone that's different from me, dif- different than me, because I need that in my life. Amen. The third thing is, well, you need to work on communication. You know, they say the average couple spends four minutes of meaningful conversation a day. I didn't say just talking. I'm talking meaningful conversation. You know, there's some days that I will, the most spiritual thing I can do, and I go there to read, my, I'm disciplined my Bible reading, prayer, all that stuff. But sometimes the most spiritual thing I can do is close my Bible, get my coffee, and just go spend time talking to my wife and just communicating. And sometimes you communicate well, things happen, you know, hey, whatever. <laughs> I've learned. I'm not a stupid man. 
They say the average woman speaks 30,000 words a day. Whereas the average man speaks about 15,000 words a day. So you have a wife that's a stay-home mom raising children, and they're going, no, 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 stop. You know what I mean? That's all they've been doing all day. And you come home, and you've spent all your 30,000 words. But she's got, I mean, 15,000, but she's got 30,000 words waiting just for you. Can I just give you a hint? You know, one of the things that we do, Monday's kind of like my Sabbath as a pastor. And my wife and I do like a lunch date. We'll go do things, talk. We'll talk about our schedule. Because when you have kids, we have three kids still at home and, and fixing to be two, praise God. And, uh, and it's all good. It's all good. And, but the thing is, is that when we have our date, we, we, we talk about our schedule for the week. We talk about not only our schedule, but we talk about finances. Come on. And when I talk to her, hey, we got this plan. When I talk to her about those kind of things, she feels good about that. She feels secure. Because every woman wants to feel safe, secure, and successful. Amen, ladies? And so if we communicate the thing. See, men, if you want, let me just give you a hint. If you want to know the, most, the four most romantic words in your life that will help your marriage, write this down. Listen. And then what happened? <laughs> Come on, ladies, I'm trying to help you. Is that right? The fourth thing is, I tell you this, we're sitting at the table, it said, feed your romance. A fireplace don't make a fire by itself. That means you got to get the, the wood, you put it in there, you got to light the match, it takes effort. Valentine's is coming up. Hint, hint, guys. Valentine's is coming up. You know, one of the things I like is that my wife looked at me the other day and she goes, you know what? You want to get away for the weekend? Really? She goes, I'm already making plans. I'm like, come on. That doesn't have to happen all the time. But can I tell you something? I just know this. And we're going out of town, kids, so think about it. I just want to say this. You got to feed the fire of your romance. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? It doesn't happen by itself. All romance burns out. It, it's by design. It's not the fireplace's fault. You know, that gum fireplace went out again. No, it's your fault. If you can't put the wood on it, if you can't, I mean, sometimes in marriage, you need to stoke the coals. Blow on it, put some more firewood on it so the romance can burn. Amen? Amen. You know, I, I just, I believe this. You know, it's like, let me just say, ladies, the last time you said, turn off the lights, and lock the door is when your husband's parents drove up in the driveway. That's funny. I don't care what you say. You know? Tracy and I have been very intentional in this area. And we don't base it off our, our feelings. If you, if, you, if you get, let me say, if you don't, if you base it on your feelings, it's going to be like a train wreck and it's going to fail. I've learned this. If you make the choices now you're, and you make the hard choices, the feelings will follow by the choices you make. Thanks for all those amens. And the last one is this. Number five, put Jesus at the center. 
I'm not telling you that just because I'm a pastor. You know, it, this is true in every part of life. If you're going to leave God out of the process that he created, and it's bound to fail. Amen? You see, this is, this is really good. I want you to see this. Uh, Psalms 127, unless the Lord, what? Builds, it's supposed to be builds the house, it's labor, it's builders labor in vain. In other words, you got to let God help build your house, build your relationship. In order for a relationship to work, let the one who designed it define it. God defines relationship, and here's the word I want you to look at, with the, and it's kind of like the first point where I'm going to the second part of this, just what the Word of God says about this. It's called covenant. You see, it's not a casual or convenient commitment, but it's a covenant commitment, and that's my first point. It's, say it when we say covenant. And I want you to go to Malachi, the last it's Malachi is the last chapter in the Old Testament, and I believe it's the last one to kind of give us a point and to help us. And a lot of people, when they think about Malachi, it's just about giving, but it's not just about giving. Here it is. It's talking about marriage and our commitment because what happened, the children of Israel were going from the law to the new covenant. That you didn't have to go get an animal. You didn't have to do our turtle dove to make a sacrifice. That Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice. He gave himself and he shed his blood for you and I. It's a blood covenant. Are you hearing me? Aren't you glad about that? You see, the, the thing is, when, we came, when you came into a relationship or you come into a relationship with Jesus, you begin to say, God, take away my independence. Take away the darkness that I've walked in in my life. Allow your light to begin to shine in me. I believe the promise that you were born of the Virgin Mary. I believe that you died on the cross, that you would forgive me of my sins. You shed your blood for me. You died for me. You were spit on. They would put the crown of the thorns. You suffered for me. You took on what I should have done. You took it on yourself. Amen? And that's what happens. That's where repentance means. I see the way, and God, I'm, dis I'm disgusted with the choices I've made, and I don't want to do my thing. I want to do what you want me to do, and I want to honor you and love you with all my heart. Amen? Okay, that's just a little preaching. I love it. But anyway, here it is. You flood the Lord's altar with your tears. That means you can come to church and cry your eyeballs out right here in the, in, right here in the front. But, but he says, and look what he says, you weep and wail because he no longer looks with favor on your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. So you're trying on your own, but it don't work no more. How many of you ever that, come to that point? I'm going to do this and do that, but it's, it's your own strength. It's your own way. And he says, you ask why, and it's because the Lord is the witness between you and the wife of your youth. Let's go on. And he says, you have been unfaithful to her, though she is your partner, the wife of your, what is this right here? Marriage what? Covenant. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And he says, and what does the one God seek? Godly offering. Go on. Offspring. And he says, be on your guard and do not, be unfaithful to the wife of your youth. The man who hates and divorces his wife says, says the Lord, the God of Israel, does violence to the one who, should, who he should protect, says the Lord Almighty. So be on your guard and do not 
be unfaithful. Look at me. I want to tell you something. If you've walked through a divorce before you knew the Lord, we're not here to condemn you. That's your past. You, you're married. You're starting over. It's a new beginning. Amen? I just want, to, I want you to know that. Okay? So we're not here to say that. But God is with you. Don't you know, I feel like second rate. No, you are not. You're a child of God. Are you hearing me? But what he's really saying, he said, the violence that one should protect. I, I like what in Ephesians says that the husband is to, the Bible says that Jesus laid down his life for the church. And he, and he goes on to say, as a husband should lay down his life for his wife. And it also gives a command that you wash her by your words. Look at me. I want to tell you something. Husbands, your words really matter. You either build your wife or you break her down. Amen, ladies? There's been times when I've been harsh, and I can see that just like, because I've learned this in marriage. The most mature person in marriage is the one that's willing to humble themselves first and say, please forgive me. Will you forgive me? That's extra to your notes. That's just a line up, Shah. But so it's, it's so important. And so what happens is, is that Jesus is saying this kind, this kind of relation. I mean, Luke chapter 22, when he's getting with the guys at the Last Supper, and he's sitting, sitting around at the table with them, and he said, in the same way, after the supper, <coughs> he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my, what, blood, which is poured out for you. In other words, the best relationships possible are blood relationships. Amen? I remember as a little kid, we'd watch cowboy and Indian movies. I wish they'd come back sometimes. You know, when I was sick, I was watching movies. I just, you know, Bridget told me one day, Pastor, I don't want to bother you. Look, I've read every book. I'm watching movies. I don't even want to watch. You can bother me. And I was watching that old Jimmy Stewart and John Wayne movie about liberty balance where he shot, you know, anyway. You know, and, and, and it's like seeing that movie and made me think, you know what? You know what? They, they were true to their words. And they were, I mean, those were movies. And I like, oh, I used to, I grew up on Lassie. Come on. I grew up on Polycarp. Y'all, who's Polycarp? Channel 3 is Polycarp in the morning. And Machu Flang. And y'all don't remember all that. Anyway, where have y'all been? Oh, y'all been in Jenny's. I grew up in Lafayette. Anyway. How about Buckskin Bill and Baton Rouge? Y'all remember Buckskin Bill? Okay, how about Captain Kangaroo? Okay, you remember Captain? You know, Captain Kangaroo won. You see, we look at him like he was eternally 76, all his. But do you know that he won the Navy Cross in World War II for ba bravery? And you go, Captain Kangaroo and Mr. Green Jeans? But see, the incredible thing, why am you going there? I don't know. It sounded fun. Anyway. The best relationships, why the cup is the covenant of my blood. And when he said, which has been poured out for you, the best relationships possible are blood relationships. What do you mean, Pastor Bob? Have you ever noticed how it's easier to be faithful to someone you're blood related to? Come on. You ever heard that saying, blood is thicker than water? Huh? I mean, our kids are blood related, not our spouse. You know what I mean? That's why people sometimes look at their spouse and go, they're a little disposable. But my children, no. I'm not saying that you're disposable, but that's a temptation the enemy puts in people's minds. And so what happens? Are y'all with me? So what happens is I've, I've, I've met parents who would not would go to the ends of the earth for their kids. 
You see, example, in some cultures, what they'll do is, that's, I know what I've said about Indians and all that stuff, and I'm coming back. It's because it's a blood covenant. You remember, I remember going out to the woods with one of my favorite buddies, and we said, we're going to be blood brothers. Come on, you remember that? After watching some Indi- an Indian, a couple, we be blood brothers today. Yeah, me, Hancho, you, Pancho. And, you know, you kind of cut your hand, and you put your hand there, and you wrap it with a towel, you know, and you just, you go, today, you make an oath, today you're my blood brother. I mean, that doesn't work. That doesn't mean their blood goes in your blood. And if mama finds out what you did, she slaps you. That's stupid. Put some macaracone on that thing, son. Are you an idiot? I can get infected. So what happens is, you know, I, I've learned this. How many of you know that sometimes on your worst day, you need somebody there for you? On your worst day. How many of you ever gotten those calls? How many of you have kids that you get those calls in the middle of the night? Mr. McCann, can you meet us at so-and-so at such-and-such right now? We're waiting for you because we have one of your sons, not going to say, and and you know, one of your sons up here, and we need to deal with him, and you need to make some decisions. And the whole way there, you're going to, I'm kill him. I'm going to, you know, you think about all those things, and then you think about what am I going to say, because you see the next guy, the first guy that gets there, I'm sending you to boarding school, I'm going to cut you off. I mean, they're, I mean, they're slapping him around, all this, and I remember just thinking, I don't want to be like that, because first impressions mean a lot. Hello? All right, are you ready? And I think, but what do I do? And I feel like, you know what? I need to put the biggest smile I can on my face. And you know what? You look at your child and you go, today you need me more than you've ever needed me in your entire life. Come on. Amen. And inside you're thinking, I'm still going to kill him. <laughs> but don't, you know what happens? Let me look at me. And they know that. You don't have to preach to them. You don't have to tell them stuff. They know they need you. But inside, in your heart, you also love them more than you've ever loved them before. Think about you and your worst day. That worst day you've ever had, that's like God the Father coming and going, you need me more than you've ever needed me before. And my love for you is not dimmed. I love you even more. See, God will be faithful to you no matter whatever that's been done. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever blown it? How many of you ever did something stupid? How many of you, your parents got a call on you? Come on. My, my, my parents had many calls on me. I was threatened with boarding school, all those different things. But can I just say, you need someone there for you. Look at me. You need someone there for you on your worst day. Let me just kind of wrap this up. Here, covenant is based on a mutual commitment. A contract is based on a mutual distrust. In other words, covenant means I'm willing to be unhappy while we're working it out. Come on. That I'm not going anywhere. I'm not doing anything. Because, you know, I look at my wife. We've been married almost 34 years. And we just know. Like, we get in a fight and we go, and we still get in a fight. If you're idolizing us, don't idolize me and Miss Tracy. We're just like you. We have struggles. We have things that we walk through. But we've been married long enough to go, why are we doing this? Why don't we just make up and say, I'm sorry? I like making up anyway. It's fun. <laughs> I'd rather make up rather than rather stay mad. Are you hearing me? 
And some of the makeups have produced children. That's all I got to say. <laughs> She's going to watch this on tape. But contract is all about someone protecting themselves. It's like when you sign for your home. That's a contract. The difference between a cov- covenant goes, I'm not going anywhere. No matter hell or high water, we're not going. That, that's just it. But a contract says, says if you don't pay your house, no, we're coming to get you a house. It's not for your benefit. It's for their benefit. Are you hearing me? You understand? And see, that's why I said, till death do us part. We know that the grave is the only way out. That means, you know, like I said, divorce is no option. Murder may be. But anyway. But here's it. Covenant surrenders rights and assumes responsibility. I'm here to serve you. What do you mean? See, in other words... I don't go into it for Tracy to serve me. I go into it to serve her. Does that make sense? When in marriage, you don't go in it. You're like, man, I finally got my old woman barefoot in the kitchen, baby. She's going to clean my ducks and all that. I mean, are you an idiot? I remember my senior year in, in civics, advanced civics, no, current events class. Her name was Ms. Zinner. I was at Our Lady of Fatima in Lafayette, and I looked at her one day. I said, one day when I get married, Ms. Zinner, my wife's going to cook my ducks and clean my meal. And I remember she goes, Bubba McCann, you are a stupid boy. I'm thinking, who does she think she is? I was stupid. She just called me out. You see, contract has a personal convenience in mind. Ooh. Covenant has the interest of another in mind. In other words, the greatest relationship in the world is when you have two servants in love. The most difficult marriage is when you have two masters in love. Amen? And see, what happens is, the whole thing is, we're marriage, what did Jesus do? He said, what did he say the greatest in the kingdom of those that are willing to serve? When Jesus went to, to the Last Supper, he took off his outer garments and he began to wash the guy's feet. He began to serve them. You see, you may say, well, Pastor Bubba, that's just not doable. You're right. You're right. You can't do it on your own. That's why you need God's strength and his ability and your weakness that he can help you in his strength. Amen? And the two final thoughts. Let me get there. Two final. Are y'all ha- enjoying this yet? Hopefully this helps you in your marriage. If you've gone through a divorce, I'm not trying to get, you on, get on you. Don't go to the past. God has forgiven you now unless it's going. Love is not a feeling. It's a choice. Thinking about this morning, Miss Jean is there. If I use an example, I was thinking about Miss Jean. Mr. Her husband, Mr. Kenneth, became an invalid. It ain't about feelings then. It's getting up every morning, and making a choice, cleaning their diaper, wiping off the drool. Are you hearing me? Just serving. That's the part we don't see when we're young and full of strength. Amen? And I remember baptizing him with a cup of water in his wheelchair. But I think I see people that are in love with their mates, and I think, wow, wow. As I battled through cancer, so many times my wife has just served me and loved on me and helped me, and it's humbled me. When I can't do something, she's there by my side. 
It's one of those in sickness and health. Amen? We just don't see it. You see, love doesn't give the person what they deserve. It gives the person what they need. And see, if I followed my feelings, I wouldn't be your pastor this morning. There's some mornings I don't feel like being your pastor. Is that all right? I'm going to be confessing to you, all right? Well, good. We got Pastor Josh. I promise you he'd say the same thing. But Colossians says it like this. And over all these virtues, I love this. Go ahead. All these virtues, it says, what does it say? Put on love. I love that. Not feel it. It says put it on. Which binds them together in perfect unity. Can I just tell you something? When you put on love toward your mate, you cover their nakedness and their flaws and the warts and all the things that they have. Amen? Can I just tell you something this morning? I'm so glad you got dressed this morning so we don't have to deal with your nakedness. And some of you go, me too. I got a lot to cover. Here's the thing. That's what the Bible says. Put on love. You got to put it on. It's a decision. It's a choice. Choices lead and feelings follow. Amen? I've learned this. If I make enough good choices and then I start feeling good about what I've done and I see my wife's face and I go, man, that's worth it. Or that, that I call her my brown-eyed girl. I play that every time that, that song, brown-eyed girl, comes on. That's our song. Don't you tell her I told you. But that's our song. It's just the little things. And, but I see those brown eyes sparkle, and I go, come on, I'm hitting home run today. I'm batting 450. Y'all looking, are you crazy? No, I'm just crazy in love with my wife because I've met Jesus, and I know that I couldn't do it by myself, and I need him. And there's a lot of days I don't feel like being married. There's a lot of days I don't feel like being nice. There's a lot of days I don't feel like serving. But you know what? When I make decisions and choices to do that, the feelings follow. And here's the problem with some of you. You don't make the choices. So you never sense the feelings. Thank you for all those amens. You see... Capacity to love comes from the fact that receiving love. I need it. I need love bad myself. Are you hearing me? And all of you need love. I've been thinking about, since Easter's coming in about five weeks, one of the things I've been thinking about is that in 1 John it says, we love each other because he first loved us. And I think about Easter coming, and I think about that how Jesus went before he went to the cross, you know that he stood before the crowds. He was falsely accused. And then not only was he falsely he was put a crown of thorns on his head. They plucked his beard. They hit him. They blindfolded and hit him. He said, now prophesy who hit you. They whipped him. They beat him. They did all those things. They spit in his face. They nailed his hands and his feet. And the thing, the whole time, Jesus was going this. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. And you know what? You know who was doing that to him? Me. You. And Jesus came to be the ultimate sacrifice. He made a blood covenant to rescue men. 
You didn't have to take a ram or a turtle dove or go to the altar or go to Jerusalem to the temple and go into the, you know, and be afraid and all those things. Now we can look, the Bible says we can go before the throne of God boldly. Aren't you glad that God has forgiven you and I of our sins? Aren't you? You know why you're here today? It's because you met, you fell in love with someone when you felt unloving, undeserving, and somehow he broke through that hard shell of who we were. And all of a sudden, we sensed a love that we'd be looking for all of our lives. And we found it in Jesus. You see, think about how much he loves you. Can I say something? You may need him today more than you've ever needed him before. I want to pray this prayer over you this morning. It's in Ephesians. And can we just put that up there? And I'm going to pray this prayer over you. And, 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 and then I'm going to pray for you as well as couples and singles. Is that all right? It doesn't matter if you say it. We're not voting on it. <laughs> you don't vote on me. I won't vote on you. Let's just pray. Father, I pray that, that Christ will be more and more at home in your heart living within you as you trust him. May your roots grow deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. And may you be able to feel and understand how long, wide, deep, high his love really is. And experience his love for yourselves. If you're married, I want you to grab your mate's hand. I don't care if you're mad at each other. I don't care if you came this morning and y'all you, you, were arguing in the parking lot on the way driving in. Go, oh, there's Pastor Josh. We'll get it right. If you're a single person, single mom, or you're just like single and you're needing, you want God's best for your life. I just want to pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you for every couple. Lord, I pray your protection. If the world and the enemy and the culture would come against anything, they, they've come against marriage and family. And Lord, I pray that couples in this house, more than they've ever done, begin to realize the decisions they need to make. And they know that the choices will follow. But Lord, I pray that they realize it's a covenant they've made with you and their mate. There's no way out. There's no way out. Lord, I pray that they work on their communication. They would feed their romance. They would celebrate their differences instead of being critical of them. And I pray that, Lord, that they would put you at the center of their lives. I pray for every single person. That's what they do. They put you at the center of their life, waiting for their future mate, knowing, God, that they can trust you, that you can work all things out for your good. And so I pray. For every individual. I pray for the students that are in school. I pray you would cover them and help them to make decisions to be able to love you on their campuses in elementary and junior high and high school. They wouldn't just go with the flow. But Lord, they would be like fish swimming against the current of all the dead fish, knowing that you produce life in them. I pray that. I pray your protection and your grace over everyone here this morning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. We'll do one more thing. Please, no one moving around or getting up yet. Just, just I want to ask you this. If you don't know the Lord, 
that you're not where you need to be in your relationship with the Lord. Here's an opportunity that you can have. Because I want to pray with you. I want to believe God. See, you can come in here and go, man, that's what marriage needs. That's where I, but I'm just not, I don't have the peace where I'm at. I can't, how can I let God have his way in my marriage when I'm not even letting him have his way in my own life, in my heart? If that's you this morning, say, Pastor Bob, I don't want to leave here without not starting a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. I need that in my life. Would you pray for me? Just bow your head, close your eyes. No one looking around. If that's you this morning, could you just raise your hand? You say, Pastor Bubba, that's me. Would you just pray for me? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Anyone else? Just pray for you. I'm not going to beg. Anyone else? Can we all pray this prayer out loud together? Can we do that? Just say it with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I've fallen short. I deserve to be judged for eternity for my sins. Thank you for not leaving me in that state. I believe you sent Jesus. I believe he was born of a virgin. He died on the cross to carry my judgment. I believe he was raised on the third day. And now he's seated at the right hand of of God. So on this day, I repent of my independence from you and I give you my life entirely to the Lordship of Jesus. Come into my life. Change me into a child of God. I renounce the things of darkness which once held me. And from this day forward, I no longer want to live for myself. But I want to live by your grace and I want to live for you who gave yourself for me. In Jesus' name, amen.